0: you right now that you're not going to want to miss today's show we did this as a special treat just for you um and i'm going to leave it there for just a second because i got to talk to eric real quick how are you eric
1: happy friday happy december kevin i'm doing all right
0: can you believe it's december already my gosh i know (laughs) it's crazy this year's gone by so fast. The older I get, the faster it goes, which is not a good thing. It should Same. slow down so that you, you know, near the as you get older, it, you end up having more time, not less. But it doesn't work that way. True. <laughs> so in any event, it's raining. Was raining. Is it raining? And will it rain? I heard that we're going to have some storms.
1: Yeah, it looks like it's going to be quite rainy for at least the next week. So batten down the hatches. Get out the galoshes. Uh, It's going to warm up, though, so that's the silver lining of all the rain is that we're seeing temperatures uh, higher 40s and lower 50s as opposed to, you know, 30s. Uh, So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, uh, you know, if you like it to be a little more warm and feel comfortable uh, inside, that's uh, a good thing in my book.
0: Isn't that one of the things that they call the pineapple pipeline where we start getting the the Western... The western flow, and it comes kind of from a warmer area, and not from Alaska. But uh, and unfortunately, with that, it brings more p- precipitation and rain, and higher winds, and that kind of thing. But better temperatures. That's right. So, very good. Eric, we got a great show. And, by the way, I've got an alert for everybody that on Monday I'm going to be talking with a guy by the name of, of uh, Eric who works at KKNW. He's the program director at KKNW and Kixie and he also um, plays around with the guitar a little bit. And uh, <laughs> he's got an album that he just put out. And uh, since I've known Eric well, for it, 20 Well, it's,
1: it's coming out in January.
0: Oh, it's in January. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, we'll preview it a little bit so that um, all of your fans, the many thousands that listen to you <laughs> every day on the air, can uh, um, can pick that album up and and see what you do when you're not doing this. Uh,
1: I look forward to it, Kevin.
0: Oh, that'll 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 be great fun. So, our guest today, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is a uh, business coach. She is a uh, um, leadership coach. She teaches people how to be better leaders. And I want, I wanted to bring her on specifically today because it's the first of December. And if you're driving in your car on your way home from work and, uh, you know, the budgets for the net for 24 are kind of done. Most of them are going to be done in the next week or two. Um, you're getting ready to launch, um, your business for the new year and to really improve everything, and if you feel like you're not as good a leader as you could be, that's why I wanted to have her on or this time of year, so that you can have some of her advice. Now, she is local. She's in Anacortes, so she's somebody that you can reach out to and talk to about your leadership skills and the ability to be a better leader, but before I introduce her, I need to introduce my co-host for the hour, her name is, uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> this is crazy, because every time I go on the air, I have trouble saying your name, but I say it perfectly, so it's Katiana and Cayetana, uh, Kay- excuse me, <laughs> I knew I would do that again. Cayetana, okay. how are you today, my friend? I'm you're doing looking,
2: great. Thank you're you are looking so ravishing inviting well. me, yes.
0: <laughs> you're looking great as always, Thank and you it's so great. Much great to have you here and you've been in business for a long time as well yes. and and so this is going to be a a very fun show for us to do because what we're going to be talking about specifically is business and business leadership and how you as a leader if you are in management or if you're a leader wanna be and want to get into management uh, have being a great leader, there aren't i don't know and i'll ask emily this but i don't know of very many companies that really are doing extraordinarily well if the leadership is weak
1: mm-hmm.
0: in order yeah, to yeah. in order to be a good company you and have everybody as i like to say uh, paddling all in the same direction and and rowing like heck to get the job done you all have to have uh somebody at the top who understands your job, what you're doing, how you're doing it and rewards you for great things and and really leads from in front, not from behind. Does that make sense to you?
2: Definitely. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I, because the, you know as I I struggle at the beginning, you know when I first opened my my company, my interior design company, cuz I didn't know anything. I was like, okay, I want to be my own boss. I'm mean, gonna open a company, but I didn't know how to be, you know, like a good business person. And I think in too many trials. I mean, I was successful for for times, and, and the economy goes down, and it's, it's kind of like a roller coaster. And sometimes the more, the the more, it's like the moral, moral, you know, this, you know, when you're struggling a little bit, sometimes all these dreams come you know, or or attitude becomes a little more negative. And when times are doing great, you know, all of a sudden we're like the best leaders. But to me, this is incredible because I I want to learn how to be a good leader even during the hard times, not only during the good times. And so I'm happy to be here today and be able to talk to Emily and learn more from her
0: let me let me introduce emily see if i can do it properly yeah according to her bio she was she was made in korea and born or and uh and 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 grew up in the united states so Mm -hmm. um she lives locally she is a um a a coach she's got a podcast she has written a couple books on leadership and leadership skills she's a dynamic young lady and i'm really looking forward to having her on the show. So let's go ahead and bring Emily on right now.
3: Hello, Kevin. Hello, hello.
0: <laughs> and that that, awesome. that is your round of applause from the thousands of people that are listening to the show right now.
3: I so. need that sound effect in my life every day. Can I, can we have that happen every day? <laughs>
0: I can just show up in my world and it, it, I can, that's how I get up in the morning as I, as I uh, play the uh, round of applause that I got up in the morning. That is the big thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, welcome to the show. I'm glad that you're here because, as you know, it's December and the year is winding down and you, the budgets are getting done or they've been uh, completed for 24. And and we're getting ready to take, you know, the end of the month is, is kind of a downtime because it's hard to... Uh, um, do a lot during the Christmas holidays and a lot of people take a lot of time off and stuff. But then magically January 1st comes around and all the things that you were doing and planning for in the latter part of uh, 23, you now have to execute. And that can be a very tough thing for folks if you don't have the program, and the, and the ability to do it right from the get-go. And so that's why I recommend um, a business coach to help people, especially when we're talking about leadership. Leadership is the most, I think, underrated. Well, you tell me, but I think it's the most underserved and underrated aspect of being a great uh, CEO or a manager or whatever is leadership skills. What do you think?
3: I certainly think at, in the business world, you can't have a successful company without a strong CEO and executive leadership team. So, you know, if you you were talking about that earlier, where if the leadership isn't aligned and isn't communicating that to their teams effectively, then it does no good. At the same time, what I would say is your middle management layer and also your quote unquote rank and file folks are also leaders in the company. So, you know, leader can be by title, C-suite, VP, director, et cetera, but it's also, are you a leader in whatever role you're in? So you could be just an entry-level person, but you can still be a leader. So all of those leadership roles and facets of leadership can be really important.
0: But doesn't it start with the top? Because in in, in, in my frame of reference, if if the CEO understands what you just said, Which is, it's so important at any level for you to develop leadership within the corporation at the the entry level, at the mid-level, at the high level, so that they can all work together and everybody understands the mission that they're on. But so many companies and so many CEOs, they maybe it's just me, but I just get the feeling that, and you can tell us better, but I get the feeling that when you get that CEO or COO or CFO or whatever behind your name, you tend to lose touch with the people who are driving the bus, as it were.
3: I'd say that's right, because as CEO, you have to stay connected. And so, yes, you kind of are in this role where you have access to things that other people don't, and you're going to be making decisions that other people don't have the right to, but you need to stay connected to people. I was just talking to someone and they're the COO. So the chief operating officer of the company. And we were talking about how she needs to really get in touch with her frontline customer service representatives who are speaking to customers every single day. And As COO she knows things and she can see things from a different vantage point than those CSRs or customer service reps but they see things that she doesn't and they have information that's really important for her to know and so just making sure you have that information flow and those communication channels throughout your organization so information is flowing bottom up top down left right diagonal that all those things can be working together but yes if you're if you're running a company um and or if you're at a company and you don't have a strong ceo that's that's a that's a tough stream to 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 row up
0: well i gotta ask you have you ever asked anybody the question a ceo or a coo or one of these high-powered people with a lot of letters behind their names have you (laughs) ever asked them do you know where the lunchroom is and if you do Do you remember when the last time you went into the employee lunchroom and hung out for an hour? Have you ever, has anybody? ever?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, the person I know with the most letters behind their name is my old boss. And he has like uh, a JD and a CPA and a CFA and like alphabet soup after his name. But he was really good about going out and, you know, um, amongst the people that sounds so like he's the Roman emperor or something, but he did walkabouts. And I would encourage people to do walkabouts and just go take a walk. Number one, it's good for you to get away from your desk. But number two, you can just hear things, you can just pick up things. And then if people are used to you walking around saying, oh, hey, there's Emily, you know, Emily's going to ask me how my day is going, what's important with my project. And that's just a normal course of business that'll um that'll get you get you a long way with your team believe me
0: it will make them feel like you care
3: because you do and that's why you're out talking to people
0: uh kaitana I, I would love for you to interject here have do you have a question for emily i know you've been doing some research
2: yeah on yeah i wanted to know like um uh, what advice do you have for leader who might be resistance to the idea of having a um, oh, my God, this is related to your book, Chief of Staff, though, but but mostly um, uh, the leaders, I mean, resistant to the idea of having a chief of staff or are unsure of how to maximize the value of the role.
3: Chief of Staff. Yeah. So that's a that's a large topic. But uh, most people have heard about chiefs of staff for like the president or in the mm-hmm. in the political realm. But chief of staff is now becoming a very popular role in the business world. And so that is. A, the right-hand partner to typically the CEO or their principal. And their job is to, number one, keep keep the CEO sane and make sure their headspace uh, is going well. And then they strategically execute the objective of the company throughout the organization. So not just operations, not just finance, not just product. They bring all of those pieces together. So um, there's lots more to say. There That's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. But um, that's just a quick intro to the chief of staff role. So how,
2: how are the chief of staff connected to, the, lead, to, the, to the, 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 the leader or the CEO of the company? You know, like, because there's different types of leaders in the company. So like this chief of staff, uh, how he or she um, managed to get all the communication from all these people? You mentioned before that. Communication is very important in order to know how the company is succeeding or not. But um, but how that um, in your experience how that happens? You know how's the connection or or communication style among them?
3: Sure. So structure wise, the chief of staff will typically report into the CEO. So the CEO is their principal, but as at- at small companies or small to medium companies like mine i would work with all of the executive team members every day every week as well um, and so we would have you know weekly leadership meetings um, we would be you know on, on different breakout meetings um, and keep in touch that way the cool thing about the chief of staff is they are privy to the leadership conversations and they have the the ear of the ceo but they're also talking with you know the directors and the mid-level managers, and they are doing those walkabouts sometimes at multiple offices to get the pulse and the temperature of how each how each office and how each group or team is doing, and that's one of the that's one of the ways that the communication can be fed up. Hey, you know, COO, what are you hearing? Um, VP of strategic initiatives, what are you hearing? Here's what I've kind of picked up in my conversations, and when you talk about that all together, you get a more Clear picture, and you can make you can make better decisions for people. Right, sure. I, want, think I, I think I
0: yeah. think I want to have that job, Kintiana, because oh, that would,
2: yeah. that
0: sounds, that I want. That like job a lot too. Of fun.
2: I want yeah. that job too. But you know something I found when I was working in offices is that whenever they do their walkabout, everyone was so nervous. You know, oh my god, they want to walk, and yeah. everyone is stressed out and cleaning the <laughs> cleaning the, <laughs> the boots. You know, sit up straight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, See, try and all of that, and being in the best behavior, and why why employees usually are afraid of the leadership instead of you know having an environment where you know it's more like a friendship. I know I I understand the respect of you know of, of um, hierarchy, but at the same time there is also ways of being more friendly with our employees. So uh, we, I'm gonna put me as an employee. Uh, we don't feel afraid of just going and talking to them.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think um, if you only see your CEO once a year, then it's hard to be familiar with him or her, right? So it's a matter of making this a more regular, a more regular occurrence. But if you're the CEO, you have a lot to do. So you know, you sometimes if you have a whole bunch of, let's say, satellite offices, you mathematically can't be in all of those places at once giving attention to all these people. So in some ways, that's why the chief of staff is, hey, let me, you know, do some rounds and let me have conversations that often the CEO can't. Because you're right, people will act differently when the CEO is, is in the room, right? They will They will absolutely give them the nice version of what's happening or sweep issues under the rug or like, oh, no, no, like everything's fine when you know everything is not fine because five minutes ago they were pounding their fists on the table, shouting for you to do something. And so the, one of the main things I would do is I would be able to have those conversations and then without breaking confidence, relay some important information to the CEO that he wasn't getting from other people.
0: You know, they do that in, in a lot of different industries. They do it in uh, sports. Um, cause you have like the manager and then you've also got the bench coach who is his assistant and is kind of that guy that the players can go to first when they don't feel comfortable going to the manager necessarily. And the football's got the same thing. I'm so sorry for the Seahawks yesterday, by the way.
3: But, oh my uh, gosh. Let's not <laughs> talk about that. We should have won that game. We should have won against the Rams. We should, uh, <laughs> It's, it's
0: just, it's one of those things, you know, and, and that's, but we keep coming back, don't we?
3: Always. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We like to make it dramatic. We don't like to, Hey, Hey, we're dominant in the division. No, we like to kind of go right in the wild card (laughs) spot, teeter off the wild card page altogether, then come back on scraping and crawling at the end of the season. That's how we roll. So there there we go.
0: (laughs) I wanted to talk to you and I bring up the Seahawks not only because of the game yesterday, but but also their coach, Pete Carroll, and uh, the president of the organization, he has a real specific way of working with each and every person that's in the building. And it doesn't matter if they're the cook uh, making the food for the players or if they're the trainer or or whatever the position is, he takes a personal interest in everybody in the building because he wants them to be the absolute best that they can be because that will make the organization better. Um, I wanted to ask you, there are so many companies that, and I've been through this many, many, many times where there a position in management will come up. And so what they will do is like, it was a sales position, a sales manager position. And what they'll do is they'll go, well, who should we nominate to bring that person in? And if they're going to uh, promote from within, it's always one of the best sales guys. Uh, they, they, You said, well, he's a wonderful salesperson. He'll make an awesome sales manager. That's hardly ever the case. Why is that?
3: Yeah, so really quick. I actually, I have met Pete Carroll. And the reason I met him was because I was doing a, a, a softball league through my work. And we were playing the facilities people of the Seahawks, right? And he came to root for them and that's how much he cared about his people so the people who took care of the stadium and all that he came just to root for them i think he did an at bat and i like tagged him out and he said good job and that was my meeting with Pete Carroll but to your point he was there encouraging you know he didn't have to have to come out to the, these people's baseball game but anyway that's a quick story about about Pete i love his uh, i love his coach approach um but yes to your point when you're the subject matter expert and you're a top performer in your role, that does not mean that you are automatically going to be a good manager or a, or a good leader, because those are two different skill sets. So when you're very technically savvy, you can be contributing and adding value to your team and company that way. But when you're asked to now run a team that does this and you're not personally doing that, that's, that's a different ball game altogether. And so I think even people acknowledging or realizing that, coming to that realization, oh, the way I add value has changed. And now I need to learn how to flex a new muscle and do these other things and learn these things when all I want to do is recoil and kind of default back into what I'm comfortable with because I know how to do that. And that's what made me good before. Now it's it's kind of like what got me here won't get you there, that whole sentiment. But certainly just that acknowledgement um, and awareness is key. And then having someone like a mentor or a good boss or a coach help you develop those new leadership skills can really help someone be effective in a new role and can accelerate their transition into that role.
0: Why don't more companies do that? And really, if they're going to promote somebody like that, that they have need to understand that, There's a whole leadership thing that they have to learn all about and how to be more humble and to understand that just because it was easy for you doesn't mean it's easy for everybody um, and and stuff. So why don't more companies utilize that?
3: I wish I could tell you that's a million-dollar question. Um, I think some companies are getting more savvy to that, and they They come at it through dollars and cents. So, hey, when we have ineffective leadership or when we have higher turnover, that costs us financially, which gets people's attention. But hopefully more and more companies are realizing, yes, I want to reward top performers. And yes, I want to reward people who have untapped potential. That's awesome. That's great if you're promoting people like that. And the second step to that is you need to set them up well and you need to equip them and invest in their learning and development. Because if you think about um, people's trajectory through the company, if you have someone who started at industry level and they make their way through the ranks, they are going to know about the team and know about the customers and know about the product in a way that someone coming in from the outside doesn't. And so if you can cultivate um, this culture of hiring from within and investing in your people, you're going to have some great future leaders for your company. And you're also going to have a very happy workforce because people like it when they invest in you. And so they'll be loyal, more loyal to your company as well.
0: It is, in my opinion, it's very defeating. To bring somebody in from the outside when you've got people going, you know, I can do that. I've been busting my rear end for the last two years to show them what kind of a guy I am and what I can do. And then they go and they hire the schmuck from the outside, (laughs) which I feel sorry for the poor schmuck because now he's got a guy who's not going to stand behind him on his team, which makes it even worse.
3: Yes, I have been all of those players, by the way. I have been the poor schmuck from the outside. I have been the person going, why did they hire that person instead of me? I've been the person recruiting saying we need someone internally and we need someone. So I've seen I've seen all different variations of that. But my personal philosophy is you should always hire from within if you can. And there might be certain situations where an external hire is just needed and makes sense for different reasons. but if you can hire from within um, and it, and even know that, hey, I'm gonna have to give this person, a crash course in management because they've never managed people before. I would still, I would still go that direction if all things were equal.
0: And I would even submit if you do have to hire somebody from the outside that you make it a point to sit each person down who thought that they were in line for that job and Mm -hmm. you talk to them and give them a, a, um, a timeline and some things that they can do to improve so that they can get to that position and get to that point. Do you agree with that?
3: I do. And I think if you're in a leadership position and you want to get promoted and you want to further your career, the best way you can do that is to train your successor because your boss isn't going to say, yes, Kevin, you come and be promoted in this new role when no one is there to do your existing role. And so you have to be thinking like that, not hoarding information or trying to just make yourself look good. Your job is to make your team look good and to find those those potential leaders and get them in place so when you move up someone's there to take your your place.
0: And by the way it makes your job a whole bunch easier. Oh my goodness. that is that you've trained and is doing the great job for you and it just makes your job easier and it makes it better for everybody.
3: Yeah, well the funny thing is before when I was a new manager I didn't like my team members doing something better than I did because I was like, I'm the best. I'm the boss. I should be the best at this. And I remember the point when one of my team members came up with an idea for an internal process that was, that was just better than mine. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then I was happy. I was like, you know what? I love that. This person came up with something wildly better than I did and it helps the team. And when I made that flip of, oh, it's not it's not me against them, or it's not me or, or their idea, then that opens up a whole new plane of leadership for you. And I think that once you realize your success isn't derived from what you can do yourself, what you can personally do, it's what you can get your team to do as a whole. Once that clicks in, then you've just opened up a whole, a whole lane of leadership you didn't have before.
0: Kaitana, what do you think?
3: I think it's you know excellent you know what you said like
2: I wanted to know uh how um, um in your in your experience um, um what are the uh the specific uh leadership development strategies that you um uh, you recommend for professionals who want to further and enhance um, um, a, sorry, <laughs> and enhance their, their career in the company. In I'll, t-
0: I'll tell you what, uh, Emily, we're going to have you answer that question right after we take this break, and I'm going to have Kaitana take us to break and, and teach her how to do that. And okay. by the way, we're talking with Emily Sander. Go to nextlevel.coach And you will find her information and look. And by the way, we also have to talk about your podcast because you're a podcaster of note as well. So we'll do that. And uh, Kaitana, take us to break, please.
2: Okay. So for now, we're going to take a little break. And we're coming back to Positive Talk Radio with uh, our our guest, uh, Emily Sander, coach extraordinaire.
4: Do you need to boost your sales? Join our partnership program. Each quarter we promote 10 partner businesses. What will you get? The company will produce one 30-second video for your business. Your website links on positivetalkradio.net and kmmedia.pro, one dedicated podcast or radio show per month, one video Instagram reel, one YouTube short, one 60-second clip for social media taken from your interview, and at least one commercial airplay per show. All podcasts and video commercials are within the fabric of the show and will remain in the show forever. Visit kmmedia.pro to book a consultation today.
3: When you want to say more than words, communicate. You can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is a-naturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. For being our appreciated listener, you can use promo code PTR20 at checkout to receive 20% off your order. a-naturaldesign.com at your fingertips today. We believe in the power of telling your stories. We want to help yours be seen and heard at the Pacific Northwest Collaborative Magazine. Our purpose is to connect you to your community. Let's begin by celebrating the accomplishments of local artists featured in this brand new digital magazine. Here, you can learn about opportunities to creatively come together and support our local community and neighbors through the gift of art and service. If your business or organization would like to take part in this magazine, message us on Instagram at pnw.collab. You can download our free digital magazine at KM Media Pro today.
4: Thank you to our dedicated fans. We are updating our live on-air schedule to make it super easy for you to hang out with us five days a week, Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We broadcast on YouTube, Facebook, and live on Fridays with Kixie 880 AM Seattle Live. You can find our library to binge all the podcast platforms. We can't wait to see you at 3 p.m. Monday through Friday starting September 4th, Labor Day 2023 and welcome back to positive
0: talk radio right here on K I X I we're very happy to have you here we appear here every Friday at three right after uh uh John does his thing for five hours and and John Tesh and uh, we're happy to be here we've got a great show for you today we also are on KKNW Monday at three for uh, Wednesday at four and Friday at noon. So, check us out any of those days. So, Emily, that was, I think I just gave Katiana or K- K- Kaya Tana, it would help. You <laughs> just know, call her Tana.
3: boss.
0: It's, it's, it's all <laughs> she, she told me I could just call her Tana, but I. And, but, uh, no, you call me Tana or But see, isn't that um, a uh, example of good leadership? I mean, after all, it's my show and I'm the creator and I do it. I've been doing it for a long time. But to have somebody else to learn to do it, which is what um, Tana is doing, is uh, important to the health of the organization. Do you agree?
3: (laughs) Absolutely. And I think I really like your apprentice model is what I would call it because you're probably telling her, how to do certain things offline, but then you're actually allowing her to jump in uh, to the fire, so to speak, and really apprentice under you for a period of time. So when I see leaders doing that, instead of, you know, here's a piece of paper to read, or why didn't you read my mind? Or here's, you know, I'm going to be directive. um, When I see leaders taking this apprentice approach or even this coach approach, that by far is the most successful method and approach that I've seen. So yes, absolutely agree. Well done.
0: Well, thank you very much. You know, I did want to mention that I, I was in management for a long time, and I did uh, restaurants and as well as uh, professional people, and I was a national sales manager, and yada, 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 and all that stuff. And your resume, by the way, your resume is longer than mine, so that's okay. <laughs> uh, that could I, be a
3: good or bad thing, depending on why. But, yeah, no, it was a good career. It was exactly a good career.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, but one of the things, I had a meeting when I came went to a new restaurant. to the It's no longer there. Most restaurants aren't, uh, but uh, uh, in Federal Way, and I had a, a staff meeting, and I said, "I want you all to tell me who the most important people in this building are." And I got lots of responses. I got uh, the uh, "you are," and they're trying to suck, <laughs> you know, suck up to the new guy, and and stuff. But as so I said, no, I'm sorry. the The most important people in this building are the dishwashers and the hosts. And they were like. But they get paid the least. They have the least expertise. And I said, if you want to have clean dishes, you better have a good dishwasher. And if you don't, you're not going to have very many customers. And the other person that's important is the host or hostess. First
3: person they see. First person customer sees.
0: Yep. First person they see. And if if they give you the impression that you're going out of your way to take them to their table, then that gives them a negative perception rather than, Uh, Doing something really positive for them and they become great feeding grounds for promotion into this wait staff and the cook staff of the guys. Go ahead. You were going to say something.
3: So I my very first real job was as a hostess. It was for Rosita's Mexican Grill on Holman Road. It's it's a different restaurant now, but if anyone knows that, oh I remember they were great. They were great. You would get the complimentary corn tortillas. I like ate my weight in those corn tortillas um, that summer. So I would work there during the summers, and um, I remember my boss Scott Sellers, who was a great guy. I was trying to help the busboys like clean the tables and clear off the dishes and such. And he said, don't do that when there's someone's waiting up front. I want the guests to always be greeted right away with a smile and offered a complimentary corn tortilla and then taken to their table. So it was just a good, a good little business lesson. I've, I've always learned, oh, I was trying to be helpful, but my job is really important because it's the guest's first impression. So yes.
0: Exactly. And, it, and when you get it, it doesn't matter what your business is when you get it and you understand all the facets and what each person's job is and how important they are. And then you make sure that they understand that you get it and that they're important. Your turnover goes down, which you mentioned it earlier. I, I went to that restaurant. The turnover was 300%. That means that every position in the restaurant changed over three times each year. What wow. that meant was that the wait staff wasn't trained as well as they could have been, the, the, the cooks didn't cook as fast as they could have done because we were, they, he was always turning the staff over. So we cut the turnover by two thirds to less than a hundred percent, which is still high in the restaurant business. It kind of happens that way. But, but uh, what, then what happened was our profits went up and this is mm-hmm. the disconnect. That I see in a lot of companies. They don't look at turnover versus profit versus training and all of that. Why is that? Why don't they get that?
3: I mean, it's it's not sexy to say, hey, let's roll out a new training program. It's it's nicer to say, hey, we're going to sell this new product and we're going to promote it and market it and take market share and grow it exponentially, right? So that's, that's what most people like to talk about, but they are absolutely connected because in your example, First of all, everyone's new at that point, like 300% turnover, everyone's new at their job, which is people can relate to that. Secondly, you don't know if you're going to be there tomorrow, because if you know you're going to get your head chopped off, if you make a small mistake or upset the boss, then you're working in, in that environment. And the internal processes are probably janky at best, because it's like, do I hand this to you? Or like, where do I where does my job end and your job start? Or how do I coordinate with you? And so all of those handoff points are are muddled as well. So if you think about like a relay race in the Olympics and you hand off the baton, and if you have drops on each one of those, you're gonna have these, uh, these gaps in it. So investing in, hey, let's give some people some training or at least come together and say, hey guys, I know everyone is new. Let's just talk about the workflow here so people can hear it once all together that can help your efficiency and therefore your client satisfaction and all your profits and everything a-, a lot more than people give it credit for.
0: It is amazing. By the way, we're talking with um, Emily Sander and she's got a podcast and how long have you been doing your podcast
3: now? Just this year. I'm, I'm trying to be cool like you one day, but I just started it uh, just, this, just this year um, to, to wade in there. It's called leveraging leadership.
0: Perfect. So, And they can find it at all the usual podcast places, I would imagine.
3: All the usual podcast places. But we talk about uh, business leadership and just leadership in general. And then I've just started, um, Tanya, you might like this, uh, Chief of Staff series. So all about the role of Chief of Staff. We have Chiefs of Staff from Microsoft and Google and then some startup companies. And I also had my old CEO and COO come on the show. And so they talked about how it was to work with uh, to work with me as chief of staff but if you're interested in that if you're interested in becoming a chief of staff if you're a current one if you have one on your team or you're just in business and you're like what is this role then check out uh the the episodes in that series and they they help you out
2: definitely i was checking it out like i had to listen because i love business and leadership it's something that i want to learn mm-hmm. my ex-husband Oh my god that guy is so smart he was studying and reading a lot about leadership i didn't understand anything like oh everything sounded like a different language you know until i opened my own company like oh now i understand what it is so i started reading all these books following you know people in you know on youtube and buying their books <laughs>
3: Yeah. I mean, leveraging leadership, my whole philosophy is people are busy, but they really want value. And so it's very down to earth, practical and tactical. Let's give people takeaways and concepts they can actually apply. And so I I listen to podcasts all the time. And the ones I like are... Ones where they get straight to the point. There's not a lot of fluff, and I can actually do something with the information. And so that's how I approached it, how I shape leveraging leadership. So if that's your cup of tea, then you can check out an episode or two. Yeah, so, uh, if you uh, number one. <laughs>
0: if you uh, you know, like listen to you, you know, like a lot of podcasts and stuff, then you would, you know, I don't know, have an opinion about this one. What do what do you, what do you what do you think? What do you think that we? What could we do better, or what are we doing okay?
3: I'll just say I'm really excited for Eric's album because I tune into your show just to listen to that guy's voice. So if I don't know if he's, he's singing on there, he's music producing or whatnot, but um, I, I just, he's got a great voice and um, you have a great team around you. And I love the fact that you're just putting goodness in the world. I mean, it's in your, it's in the name of your show, but it's also, you can tell that you're just trying to give people different perspectives and give them some good news and some positivity. And so, I mean, we need as much of that as we can get in this world today. So I think, uh, I think it's a great show. So well, right after I, you listen to this show, you can right. listen to Leveraging Leadership every week.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, what, I like, uh, what I like about what you do is that, that it is important for us all to realize that, that even though you're the CEO or you're, you've got a title, you still are just a human being. And the people that are working for you are human beings too, with wants and needs and, and likes and dislikes. And, and everybody wants to be part of the team. Uh, If you can, if you can create an atmosphere where everybody feels like this is something for them, um, you, you, your chances of success are a lot higher, aren't they?
3: Oh, for sure. I mean, I've, I've worked under leaders who were very authoritarian, were very, uh, do what I say because I said so. um, And I'm going to take all the credit for your good ideas and your good work. And that, I know how that feels. And I've also had really great bosses and mentors who are like, Emily, come over here. I want to show you how this works. I want to show you how what we do rolls up to the objective of the department and team and how this interacts with different parts of the company. And I'm going to take the time to invest in you. And I know how that feels as well. And I can tell you which, which boss and which company um, I, would, I would be most loyal to. So I think um, when you're a CEO or if you're a leader, then understanding that everyone on your team wants to do well And just because they're not doing it just like you would is, is okay. And you have untapped potential in your team. And what I would also remind people is if they're looking at their boss or their CEO and going, oh, like, why doesn't he see this? Or why doesn't she do that? Like, if they just did this, everything would be fine. They're so dumb. Understand that their people too, and that they're trying their best and they're having to make some really tough decisions. And so if you can support them or give them some ideas on solutions, then oftentimes that's better than complaining or griping or gossiping behind behind people's backs. So I would say it both ways.
0: Well, I've got to ask you this question because this happens, I think, a lot, especially to new supervisors or new leaders. And that is, they're doing their job and they think they're doing it correctly and they're doing it as best they can. And they're, they're good. And they're all that in a bag of chips. And, um, they have one of their closer friends come to them and say, uh, I think you ought to know that there's a mutiny beer brewing. Um, uh, <laughs> your, your staff is very unhappy and, and they're th- they're toying with the idea of going over your head to, the CEO and telling them that they're not going to work for you anymore. How do you help him recover or her recover from that situation?
3: Yeah. I mean, at that point it is a recovery operation because if if you let it get to that point, the time you wanted to act was probably a couple of months ago, but um, it reminds me, reminds me of that friends episode. You know, the one where um, Monica's like teaching Rachel how to cook and they're like, it's, it's, you should have turned it off about two minutes before it looks like now or something like that. But anyway, if you let it get to the point where, Hey, it's, it's a mutiny on your hands, then you should have taken action before. But a lot of people get into that situation. And what I would suggest is you need to be candid and transparent with your team. And so if they're throwing a mutiny, they're probably not getting information and they're probably making up some stories. And if you, call a meeting or have one-on-ones or somehow convey that information about, hey, here's why I'm making those decisions or here's why I'm showing up that way um, and give them a little insight into that and ask for their input. So you're um, you're using their information in how to get better. They feel bought into that discussion and that decision. And so I would basically do a complete level set with your team if it's gotten to that critical point of a mutiny do a whole level set where you're very transparent you're giving them relevant and helpful information and you're also listening to them and eliciting their input
0: i actually i know it's i know it's hard to believe but i actually had that happen to me one time
3: you did
0: i did i was i took over a new restaurant and uh the general manager had been there had a completely different management style Mm-hmm. And I was new, and I was trying to do it. And the management team, I had uh, three managers and, a, and a, a, a chef, and they all were talking amongst themselves, and they didn't like this and that. So I ended up sitting down, and I, I said, you guys, we don't seem to be a meshing, and so I want you to tell me what I can do better, and then I shut up.
3: <laughs> yeah. And let,
0: and let them tell me what they perceived is what I, and I learned a whole bunch. And then I made some corrections. They made some corrections. They understood a little bit better. and we became a close knit group after that yeah. um, because, but you have to listen, don't you?
3: Absolutely. And I would say, you know, it reminds me of when I got to a team and they were already like at wit's end by the time I got there. So it wasn't anything I, I did myself. Um, But I did take the time to say, hey, let me go on a listening tour. And I had one-on-one conversations with about 100 plus people all across that department. And it took a lot of time, but I was taking notes, and really listening, and then- I had a a team meeting or all hands meeting where we went over some of the action items we had out of those conversations. So, hey, we're taking the time to sit down with you one on one and really ask questions and listen. And then we are following up and saying, here's what we're doing about it. So we're consolidating all of the feedback and we're actually taking action and we're um, conveying that action to to those people. So, oh, what you did helped us. What didn't just go into a black hole?
0: And and they feel part of the team.
3: Absolutely, it was. They help with that decision. They help with that initiative, and so they're bought into that.
0: Cayetana, what do you think?
2: I think you know, uh, sometimes uh, in in the business, the business world, on companies, organizations, or restaurants. In this case, um, in, it's it's easy sometimes to. Um, uh, are not like be disconnected with with our sometimes easy to be disconnected with our leaders or the, the people who are in charge is because of the barriers that they put you know that they're untouchables and for us it's so hard to get to get close to them so i appreciate when a leader is is it's like a like a friend a mentor someone who really wants to help you succeed walk alone, and, and 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 someone who but not only, but respects you too, you know, as another human being. And uh, yeah, I love listening to your experiences. I haven't had much experience working in big companies here, just a few, and I had a good experiences and bad experiences. Uh, my favorite times were working for the government, actually at the Department of Section 8, at the Department of Housing in Washington, D.C., where I got to have different bosses, different bosses, bosses right? <laughs> and in and, and, and the department, and they were all great. And they became dear friends. So and, and, and multicultural, and I learned so much, and the, so much from there that I still am applying all of that into my own interior design business, which are completely different.
3: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, from my experience, I've picked up one or two people, each job I've had where we're friends, we've just stayed in touch. We're like, okay, we've kind of gone beyond the, the work professional colleague relationship, and we're just going to be friends. And so that's, you know, a joy to find people like that. And we bounce ideas off of each other today um, about our different career moves and our different family updates and all those things. So I think that can happen. It um, certainly, you know, don't force that or it doesn't have to happen with everybody that you work with. But I think certainly there are probably going to be one or two folks that you really connect with and resonate with that can become, you know, lifelong friends.
2: Yeah. I have a question. How can, first all, for leaders and your experience, like when ego takes place, how can employees navigate uh, um, a, um, a CEO or the boss that has ego maximus? you know, and and you feel a little bit um, uh, how to say my, intimidated to, to talk to them how can we navigate that in order to communicate with these people
3: yeah i like that term ego maximus it sounds like a transformer and i've certainly seen some ceos with with that uh feature I um, think he was
0: in the uh, um um, <laughs> um um that 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 movie uh that uh, crow was in uh, um oh never mind i'm sorry
3: gladiator
0: I, gladiator thank you yeah. i wrote the joke but yes. uh,
3: anyway Maximus, Decimus, Meridius, something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, um, yes. My my uh, advice there would be, you know, think think about you. If someone comes to you and just complains and like drops a problem in your lap and walks away, how does that feel? Are you going to be inclined to do a lot with that? Mm -hmm. If person B, the second person, comes up and said, "Hey, we have a problem here. Here's what I've seen directly." A, B, and C scenarios happened. And I've thought about this. Here's some potential solutions. And here's what I think um, the company needs. Or, you know, if they are, if they do have a high ego, like, here's how you could look really good. Like, I want to make you look really good. Here's the way to do that and connect a solution for them. Because then you're helping them. Then you're making their life easier. And so you're far more likely to respond to that second person who comes with a description of the problem with data and solutions versus someone who just throws, you know, throws something in your face and walks away. That's that's what a lot of people do with bosses. Yeah.
0: How do you get through all the politics that are that are involved with most companies? Because sometimes you got to know who to talk to, who's on the ins, Mm -hmm. who's on the outs, whose job is in jeopardy, who's not and who to go talk to and all that kind of stuff. How do you negotiate all that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I wish I could tell you that it doesn't exist and you can just do what's right. But the real answer is sometimes you have to play the game. And I'm not trying to say that to be defeatist or discouraging, but there is a point where you have to have at least a level of awareness of what's going on. Um, how much of that you take in and internalize is a different question, but you should be, you should be aware of that. And I think finding people that you can talk to, um, that you know have your back is important. And there will be some, maybe few and far between, but there will be some at any organization. And I think building those relationships, connections, alliances, whatever you want to call them is important too. So in any leadership position you have, certainly as chief of staff, a lot of my time and my my intentional um, time and effort was put into getting to know people, to building relationships. So we had that strong foundation. So when we did have to have a disagreement and we went head to head and we went to the mats on some, went to the mattresses on some causes, we had that foundation of, hey, we trust each other. We know what each other is about. We know what our intentions are. And so we could have those, have those conversations. But, um, you know, sometimes you, you have to pull someone aside and try to have a one-on-one conversation to connect like, hey, you came off, you know, I, I was seeing you get angry in that meeting. You raised your voice. You gave a sarcastic answer. You know, tell me what's up and, and open up a dialogue on the side like that. Or tell me how maybe I could have phrased that question better because clearly what I did triggered something and that wasn't my intention. So having some of those types of conversations one-on-one can be helpful too.
0: I firmly believe that having lots and lots of those conversations, that is one of the biggest uh, things that a leader does is he makes sure that his people are (laughs) a leader. Isn't a leader if nobody will follow him. (laughs) True story. (laughs) And you can become a great leader. If if people will follow you uh, because they believe in you. And if they believe in you, it's because they get to know you and you get to know them. You know how many kids they got, you know where their kids are. You know, yeah, a lot of stuff like that. So, uh, being human,
3: yeah, people will people will follow you if they think that you have their best interest at heart, and so that doesn't always mean doing everything they want you to, but it's giving them the respect enough to explain why certain decisions are being made and saying, "Hey, I know this is important to you. We as a team have to go this way in this particular situation because of X, Y, and Z." But I know. That this is going to be hard on your, on you and your team or whatever. I think a lot of people will give, will give leaders leeway and slack if they know they have my best interest at heart and they still had to go in a different direction. I think that's different than um, I'm getting yanked around. I don't know how they're making decisions. Um, they're just out to get themselves ahead and they're going to stab me in the back every chance they get. That's a different, that's a different scenario, different feeling.
0: It's a whole different conversation. Yeah. This. By the way, we've been talking with Emily Sander. You are delightful, young lady. Will you come back <laughs> and and so that we can do this again? Because your your information is really really important, and you're going to help people really get to that next level. And and I encourage. I think personally, I've, I've come to believe everybody needs a coach. And if I were in business like I was, I would hire you. Emily, thank you. Go to her website, which is nextlevel.coach, and you'll find out all about her. Listen to her podcast right after this one, of course. Yeah. And I want to thank everybody. I, Kaitana, thank you. You, you did a great job thank today. Thank you I so much.
2: It. Thank you. Thank you for your support, your teachings, your love, for introducing me to these wonderful people that we always interview here and. In in, in in our uh, podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Emily. I really appreciate you coming here. And I wanted to say something very fast. Before well, you we better talk.
0: hurry because we got Wait, about 10 seconds.
2: He, I, I didn't believe in coaches, but now I do. I, oh, and awesome. I love it. I, thank you for existing. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> thank you.
0: Thank you, everybody, for being here. And By the way, be kind to one another because each other is all we've got. We'll see you Monday with Eric. Woo.
2: Yeah.